0: the why hockey periodical podcast normally tommy's doing these introductions but i told him because he had a freak out about troy brower a couple of weeks ago you'll remember listening to that show i told him to go uh take a vacation relax a bit and then come back when the preseason starts and then he could freak out some more just wanted to make sure that he's uh, a little bit less crazy about these things because it's september and what's going to be like in november he's going to go insane so while he's doing that i decided that we're going to do something a little bit different we like to have guests on the show and we're going to have a very important guest. His name is Brock McGillis. He is a friend of mine and a very important friend of mine because I'm very passionate about LGBT issues in the sport of hockey because I just came out as bisexual. If you haven't seen that, it's on my Twitter profile and you can read that there. And Brock is currently the only male professional hockey player, current or former, that is out. So he would know quite a bit about this issue and it's a very important issue to both of us. So hi, Brock. Thank you for spending some time with me and doing this. Hi, Matt. Thanks for having me. You are a good, very good person, and I'm glad I saw you on Twitter one day scrolling through, and as I was getting ready to release the story that I released, we started talking about all of these things in the sport of hockey, and your story is truly wonderful and inspirational because you are literally the only one in male hockey that is out. So I want everybody to know, if you don't know who he is yet and you don't know his story, to tell your story in as distilled an essence as you can. Where have you come from your, your playing days and how you've gotten to where you are now and doing what you're doing.
1: So I, um, I grew up in Canada um, like a lot of hockey players. I mean, growing up in Canada, you're almost expected as a, a young male to play hockey, and I grew up in the sport. Um, I played in the OHL. In uh, Windsor and Sault Ste. Marie. I played professionally in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and then over in Europe. And I played uh, university hockey back in Canada. Um, when I was, I struggled a lot growing up with my sexuality. I was um, closeted. I hid it. I dated women uh, to hide it. And, um, I, I struggled immensely. I was—I uh, dealt with depression. I dealt with uh, suicide attempts. Uh, I went through a lot. I began drinking heavily at the age of seventeen, all the way into my twenties. Um, it set back my career. Uh, I was once ranked fairly high on the NHL draft list. I went from that to playing in the minors in Europe, and um, finally, um, after. I retired I started working with athletes and and I thought about coming out but I was afraid I, at this point I was up to my friends and family but um, I was afraid to come out in the game because of the hypermasculinity and the homophobia that occurs within the game so I didn't and um, that lasted up until about a year and a half ago actually almost two years ago now um, I was 33, um, I'd been dating men since I was 23. I'd been out to my family since I was 27. And finally at 33, I decided to come out publicly and I penned an article for uh, Yahoo Sports coming out and sharing my story.
0: Mm-hmm. So, it's a lot happening. And it's all just so interesting to me, obviously as somebody who's gone through it now myself, but. Your story is... Every coming out story is unique. It doesn't matter who you are or where your experiences are. But you're so unique because you're literally the only one. And based on what you have said to me in private conversations and now, you're not surprised that you're the only one.
1: Yeah. Um, the game is not conducive to being a gay man. I mean... Uh, and it stems from the language used. I mean, the language used within the sport is incredibly homophobic, it's um, sexist, and it perpetuates stereotypes um, that forces people to either live their lives closeted or leave the game. And kids leave at a very young age. I I get kids telling me all the time, I quit hockey. I was drafted in the OHL and I quit hockey, or I... I had opportunity to play AAA in junior and I quit. And, and it's sad because it's such a wonderful game that people are being forced out based off their sexuality. Because what happens in the sport is, and I can't speak for all sports, but I can speak for hockey. And, and from what I've seen, it's a little different um, than other sports. Players are constantly put down using um, sexist or homophobic language. And they do it amongst their teammates, or they do it to opposition. And and by doing so, you're saying that being gay or being female, and they're almost equating the two as being the same thing, is less than being a man. And if you're not this macho masculine man, you can't be a good hockey player. So you have to you know, either conform to that norm and be a part of that stereotype, or you leave the sport which is unfortunate because there's probably a lot of good hockey players out there who left because they couldn't fit in.
0: How many people do you think that you've talked to, and you talk to a lot of people, you work with training athletes, particularly OHL players now. How many people do you think that you've talked to have left hockey because of this?
1: I know of at least seven to ten that have left hockey at – a high level and hundreds that left at younger ages because of their um because of what they've endured the language they've heard and everything else and and it goes even further because i have um athletes i work with now and i actually have something um I'll, i'll share a little bit with you of a conversation i had with one of my athletes who is heterosexual but he I um, just went to play in a uh, junior league in southern Ontario in the OJHL. And he sent me a text after being there for a day or two. And it said, honestly, whenever I heard you talk about how hockey has a long way in homophobia and equality and stuff, I sort of didn't agree with you because in the past three years, I haven't heard anyone on any of my teams use a homophobic slur in any negative manner. So I didn't really relate to that because I was never exposed to it. It took me five minutes with my junior team to hear faggot, queer, gay, and homo thrown around without any care. And then he added, I didn't realize how far we have to go still. I was shocked.
0: Isn't that something you posted on Twitter? I think you did. Yeah, it's it's
1: actually pinned to my Twitter (laughs) wall right now. And um, it doesn't surprise me um I, I i think where i work and the athletes i've worked with have come to realize the impact it has because they're around me but um most people don't recognize it and, and it hurts people
0: mm-hmm. there's a lot that goes into this. this is a huge discussion we have to unpack here with with language and i'm going to let you take control of it because In my own personal life, I have, I mean, everyone, you you said it, that you hear it, and it was just culturally. Now, I'm different because the language doesn't really affect me personally in much of the same way, and so my experience is different, and that's why I defer to people like you when we go to this. Uh, When you talk about the language, it sounds just, I'm not around hockey, I've never played at any sort of level. I'm just a fan and just somebody who loves the sport and wants to cover it. But when you talk about the language things that you hear, it is almost like second nature ubiquitous. Like, is it almost like the first level of insult or first level of chirping that you get, basically, at all these levels of hockey?
1: Oh, 100%. The first level is, it's homophobic and sexist.
0: And that that's, is, And that, not to interrupt, but that's just something that's been ingrained in hockey culture for generations, and it just hasn't really been fought or looked at in a different way until basically now. Like, well, only now are we starting to kind of, in a way, say, wait a minute, why are we doing this? People like you are starting to say, why is this continuing to happen? We can change this, and this is bad.
1: Yeah, I think there's – hockey is um... – Very insular.
0: No kidding.
1: Um, Probably more insular than any other sport on the planet. Um, You can see it from uh, the NHL level right down and how the leagues are very, very protective of their players, of the teams, of the leagues itself. And because of that, hockey players um, tend to only hang out with hockey players and I think a lot of it has to do because kids move away from home at such a young age, probably younger than any other sport Um, they're moving away from home at 15 years old so they move to a new town, a new city and who do they hang out with? Well they instantly have 19 other new friends that are the majority just moved into that community as well so they hang out with each other. And, and it stays very clicky. It stays very insular. And they spend so much time together, because, I mean, in Canada, our, our travel for, you know, it's not like high school football in the US where your your rival is in your community, right? You, you may be traveling eight hours to see your rival hockey team in junior. Um, so, they hang out with each other, they spend a lot of time on buses, they ha- they go to new schools and they're spending their time together, they're in the locker room a lot, and there's only 20 of them compared to a lot of other sports where, you know, other than basketball, but football and baseball, you know, and, you, soccer. You, and soccer, you have a lot of players, probably more players than hockey. So, the it becomes very insular, very clicky, and... Mm-hmm. Because of that, um, they start to feed off each other. Uh, they start using the same words. They dress. Hockey players, you can always listen to a hockey interview and know it's a hockey player because I, I can tell you what they're going to say before the interview even takes place. Yeah, we came out hard today. We, we you know, got pucks in deep. I was we got... about
0: to say that. You stole my line.
1: Yeah. yeah. No, really, though. And and we got pucks in deep. We four-checked hard. We back-checked. We. We played a team game, and 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 the same lines over and over and over. It's the most dull interview. There's always a hockey player talking because it's almost scripted, and nobody, you know, sways from that because then you're an outsider. You're not in the clique anymore. And because of it, it is so insular. Hockey players typically come from hockey parents and or hockey families and then from there it stems even further that the hockey coaches are former players who are now coaching so the language has a trickle down effect and then it gets to like kids get to like junior hockey they start using that language or they've already used it and then it spreads into their younger siblings or to you know kids who look up to them and i equate junior hockey in canada and in the us to being like instagram or youtubers Influencers, where they're not celebrities yet, they're not Connor McDavid, they're not Sidney Crosby, you know, but they have the same celebrity on a local level, and so kids look up to them. Their peers want to be them. Adults still worship them the same way, and because of that, and because they're, you know, you're exposed to them on a daily basis, what what they say the way they talk is copied within the communities so then that has another uh, that is another factor in the effect on language and why it keeps repeating itself you know uh, generation after generation of these athletes
0: mm mm-hmm. and when you go into how it repeats itself it's just like and nobody has the ability to say wait a minute this isn't right here because I, it's not even that if you would be if you did you'd be an outsider. They just don't know. It's the culture that they grew up in, and they don't have the ability to question it, whether they're well-meaning or not. Right?
1: Completely. I mean, uh, am I? Uh, can you? Can I swear?
0: Yeah. Well, if it gets it. Li- listen, we, when we talk about the Florida Panthers on this show, their swearing is implied. <laughs> have you have you watched them play before? Anyway, please, please. I
1: I, I watch them play a little bit because I grew up with Derek McKenzie, Mm-hmm.
0: So. Uh oh, sensitive topic for Tommy. That's another reason why he's not here. We'll <laughs> we'll go into that in October. We'll 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 let we'll him deal with that later. I'm going to stay so, neutral here.
1: Fair, um, but, I mean, there's an incident with Ryan Getzlaf where he called a player, the referee, uh, blank sucker. Uh mm-hmm. huh. I think mean, some
0: of us remember that.
1: Yeah. When that happened, I had hockey media people contact me, and, and I had to explain to them why that's homophobic.
0: It shouldn't really so, be that hard to figure that out. But again, no, but hockey media least, is also kind of insular too, let's be fair.
1: Yeah, they're they're ingrained in the sport. So my point is, if they don't recognize, how are kids supposed to recognize, right? And and I, I don't even blame the players for any of this because they're they're just products of their environment this is something they grew up in this is something they've been a part of since they were seven or eight years old they don't know any better they haven't been educated on this
0: Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the things that I've learned going around this sport is like there are probably homophobes out there but I think the large majority of hockey is just ignorant and I'm not using ignorant as a negative term here I'm saying Ignorant, as in they don't know any better and they don't know how to question it, they don't know what to do. And I think that's something that comes out so often, you know, when we see all of the things that happen in this sport and and the slurs. Like, you hear it at other sports, but does it feel like, from your limited experiences with other sports, that it's like at another level in hockey? That just this language is like more ingrained than it is in other sports?
1: I believe so. I believe so. And it's ironic when you think that you're. You know, you have a sport of predominantly um, Caucasian uh, middle to upper class um, who are coming from countries that are some of the most liberal in the world,
0: particularly Canada.
1: You know, uh, well, look at Sweden, Finland, and all these other ones too. I mean, you know, other than the Russians,
0: other <laughs> but, other than the other than the Russians, you know, yes.
1: I, I mean, there's there's other ethnicities, and and when I say Caucasians, I mean some ethnicities. It's it's not socially acceptable, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: that's that's why I bring that up, and um.
0: Well, it's also you could talk about hockey players mostly come from northern states in the U.S., particularly. Massachusetts for example and that's the most liberal state in the country next to California you know hockey players come from the northeast they come from New York they come from New England they come from Minnesota that's not exactly a bastion of conservatism you know these are fairly liberal states that where they come from
1: and and it's and it's bizarre when you think that these this sport seems to be more homophobic I mean there's there's if you go on out sports you see football players coming out daily and I'm just gonna you know go with uh, male team sports because um, you know individual sports a little different women's sports it's it's homophobic in a different way where people I wanna,
0: yeah I want to make sure that we say there are female hockey players that have come out but that's a different discussion. I don't want to equate the two because they're very different and, and
1: and it's almost assumed and, and it's uh, you know the opposite where. It's it's wrong in a sense because people are assumed in female team sports to be lesbians until proven otherwise, and, and that's not a fair stigma or stereotype either. No. Um, so, but we'll have to get
0: it, someone on to talk more about that in a different perspective yeah, yeah. because they're different. They're different discussions. We could talk about that, but we wouldn't have the 1st firsthand experience, obviously.
1: Completely. So, but if if you look at football, there's there's college football players coming out. Feels like daily,
0: seven uh, now at all levels of college football, and including yeah. three that are in D one FBS. Two of them in Power Five schools, which we're talking, we're talking Kansas State and Arizona, and that you know, again we're not. It's not Alabama, but that's you know, D one Power Five, and that's a big deal. And so
1: you look at that. You look at soccer. Yep, there, there's uh, professional soccer players out. Um, you look at. Heck, look at rugby. Well, uh, I, sh- I can't remember the, uh, the player's name. but Garrett Thomas? Yes, thank you. He, You know, there there's a hyper-masculine sport where somebody's out. Um, baseball has had out players. Basketball has had out players. And hockey never has.
0: you.
1: Uh, yeah, hockey has me sitting on an island by myself.
0: And me covering the sport now, basically.
1: You know, and and I'm sitting there saying there's a reason for that. And, And I think the language is the main barrier and the thing that separates it from all the other sports. I don't think the language is the same to the extent it is in, you know, hockey with the other sports.
0: Well, I want to go quickly into something with baseball related that was a big deal this summer before we get into more what you do. And what your your job is now, essentially, is to go around and speak to schools, and we'll get to that in a second, but when you watched what happened with baseball, and you saw all these players who had tweets dredged up from the past where they had said racist and homophobic things, mostly all of them were, I think actually all of them were white, and it was one of those things where the reaction to it was very interesting, right? And you'd hear all sorts of different reactions. Number one reaction would be, oh, they were young, they were like 17, 18, so... You don't know a ton yet, but also is that's obviously I think a product of their culture, depending on where a lot of them came from. I can't remember exactly all of the players, but you saw what happened. I think Josh Hader with the with the Brewers and the difference with baseball is they have Billy Bean, who is gay and very front facing and very important in the sport, and that's the difference. As we talked about that when we first had our, our conversations together, what separates baseball, which has a lot of issues with homophobia too but not as much as hockey because at least in baseball we have somebody in the sport who is front-facing and talks about it all the time and has gone in to speak to some of these players, right? When you were watching all that going on this summer, what did you think as somebody from a different sport who's obviously gone through it reacting to that situation sort of from the outside?
1: I think this problem still, uh, there's obviously a, a Problem in baseball and I mean their problems run pretty deep there's been a lot of domestic violence and other aspects as well um, but I the problem in baseball and hockey seems to be like if you if you look at baseball when these players wrote this stuff on Twitter they were probably in college or high school ball high
0: school, at mostly
1: and This is my issue with sport is everyone wants to wait and stand beside the first or the next out player at the top professional level But the reality is Hayter may have had teammates back then who quit or players he played against because People were using that language and never got to the level they could have same with Kopech same with all these players and and the issue is we we have to I think professional sports leagues have a social responsibility to if they want to get the best players to the best levels to educate the youth Mm -hmm. and not wait until they get there it's too late Josh is what 23 24 years old something like that it's you know it's it's too late those tweets were sent they're done and whether his views have shifted or he's still homophobic and apologizing for it today, it is or if he, you know, just used language that is homophobic, is irrelevant. the The fact is, he still used it. Yes, and the fact is, it, it was out there. He was uh, a star player. Um, he was, you know, an elite prospect coming up. So I assume he went early in the draft. And in his community, wherever he came from, he was probably revered and in his league. So then kids who aren't or maybe not as good or as revered hear that, they start using it to follow his lead, and then the kid that is gay or struggling with their sexuality in some capacity quits Mm -hmm. because they can't continue to hear that over and over and over.
0: Mm -hmm. For, for this example, for this example, Dasha is from Millersville, Maryland. Again, not exactly, we're talking bastion of conservatism here. Wasn't drafted very highly, but again, he was a Major League Baseball All-Star. And you could talk about it with all these different players. They come from backgrounds similar to that. Doesn't necessarily matter where they come from, Maryland, Georgia, who cares. It, it happens at a lot of these ways. So I want to go now to talking about what you do, because there's so many things that we could get to with this. And what you do is you go and speak to a lot of high schools and a lot of organizations, a lot of junior hockey teams. I believe you just were up in Sudbury speaking to the current Sudbury Wolves. Yes. Yeah, it was
1: there um, last Monday, I believe. Yeah, Labor Day.
0: Yeah, there. which yeah. is last Monday. Uh, and you speak to all of these, like these high schools and these and some teams about the language and. I have to be honest, like when I was in high school, if I ever had an assembly, I would have hated it because it meant that we weren't doing other things that to me at least were slightly more interesting. I hated assemblies when I was in school. There was one, everything, whether it be fire safety or school talent shows or whatever the heck it was, you know, we all, we all disliked it. But I mean, now it's different because when I went to high school, one of probably the last kids that went to high school where you couldn't use your phones during the day. Now they can't prevent that from happening. Everyone uses their phones in school. So when you're going to speak to these kids and you live in, I think, Toronto now or somewhere in Ontario. Mm -hmm. Yes. So when you go and speak to these kids and you go to speak to these high schools, what do you try to do to grab their attention and leave them with something that they're going to remember? Because I'm going to imagine a lot of kids are probably having the same feelings that I did when I was in high school. It's like, oh, we really have to do this.
1: You know, it's funny. I... I've been pretty fortunate in the sense that whether it's been uh, elementary school, right up to university, or speaking at a conference, um, the engagement level has been pretty high. And and I I'll, I travel across the country. Um, hopefully soon I'll be able to get in uh, doing this across the United States as well, uh, especially in the current political climate i would love to get across the u.s um and um at least initially i started doing it in my hometown of sudbury ontario and from there i started to go elsewhere but i think the fact that i'm a hockey player in you know canada is uh i nobody for the longest time people people have always said they don't know what Canadiana is we haven't had a true identity as a culture because we take a lot from america we aren't you know I'm sorry
0: i've watched strange brew that's canadian
1: <laughs> fair excuse, enough
0: excuse me canadians you have a culture i mean well, yes you gave us mike myers but what we we can we and brian adams we can forgive you for that
1: <laughs> well we also gave you jim carrey so yeah well
0: you, you, again it's a give and take i think mike myers had the best comment on canada where it's like half american and half british in terms of comedy. Well, But that's a different discussion for another day
1: it's, yeah it's kind of interesting um that it's more of a mosaic right people come here and they don't really adopt canadiana they're they're allowed to be who they were from their homeland and yes. which is which is phenomenal and great but uh, through this process i've come to realize that um uh, what our culture is is hockey and and i realized that when i um i'm gonna you know sidetrack a little here but um
0: <clears throat> this podcast during, is all about diversions to random crap trust me
1: Perfect. Okay. well during the getz Lab incident um when i you know was in the media I was in canadian press put a uh, interview me put it across Canada and Sportsnet did an article with Mark Spector did an article with me on it
0: um, Mark Spector uh-oh. Twitter <laughs> loves that
1: <laughs> well when this happened um, they uh, I, I started to get death threats and because I called out an NHL superstar in the league so it made me realize that Hockey in Canada is the culture.
0: Hockey but going is into, the reflective surface of what Canada is, and it's it really culture, is. sort of like it, that. It,
1: yeah. So, going into these <clears throat> schools, as soon as I mentioned that, you know, I, I, I present really masculine, I'm, a, you know, a bro-y looking guy, I walk in and then I talk that I was a professional hockey player, instant attention which, you know, I'm very fortunate in that regard that I'm able to have that something that connects these people with all these kids and adults and depending on where I go. And then sharing my story and my struggle and everything else, they, they are, you know, they have some empathy there. There's, there's a genuine emotion with it. And it, it's allowed me to connect with people across the country and I have had athletes, I had one of my athletes doing a co-op with me last um, last spring. And he came to schools with me and he goes, this is unbelievable. I said, well, what do you mean? And he's like, well, everyone listens. I've never gone to high school assembly where people aren't on their phones. See? People are just engaged. And, and even with the hockey teams, like they're on the, the edge of their seat actually listening. And it's it shocks me each and every time, but it, I should get used to it by now. But I, I think it's the fact that, you know, I'm not some outsider to this community because it is insular and they are the social influencers in their high schools, in their elementary schools and, and everywhere else. So if they're engaged and they're taking it in and I'm one of them, other people will too
0: see that's where i find it really interesting is because like if you did it in the states you'd have to go to specific places where the hockey thing would get people off the edge of the seats like maybe in my area of the world it might be because i live 10 minutes away from where the flyers practice but for other places across the country it wouldn't do that and i think do you think that some of where the criticism comes from like if it comes on social media from people uh let's say it's I'm not going to mention any names specifically, but there are plenty of people on hockey Twitter who I know criticize that sort of thing, and it happens all the time. Whether it's women who are trying to get into hockey, that's another discussion that's basically in the same box but with a different angle to it. The sexism and homophobia, they come down from the same path. Whether it's coming from somebody who maybe it's like me, who, like, I love the sport, but I never played it, and I'm, I'm only in it to a certain degree, right? Like, how many of the journalists have played it? it doesn't. It doesn't like, you never played the game? Like, that sort of criticism, right? It's the same thing when analytics got criticized. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like, like, does it, is it, I guess it, you said it's surprising, but, like, has that, it's obviously made it easier. So then, what do you do now that you have these players' attention? What do you go and you tell them or all these people, because you've played hockey, and you therefore have their attention because hockey is Canada and Canada is hockey or whatever phrase you want to use, I could bring out my Ron McLean impression, but I'm not going to do that. Uh, So what then do you tell them? What then do you say to them now that you have their attention? Because you know you have their attention and you have to do the best you possibly can with that attention because you don't know how long you have it.
1: Well, the the first thing I talk about is language and the importance of it and the impact it has. So when I go in, I'll typically ask uh, because initially I'm focused on LGBT. That's why I'm brought in. Essentially, um, so initially, I'll ask who here knows somebody who identifies as part of the LGBTQ plus community. And generally, I'd say 85, 90% of kids put their hands up.
0: Certainly, that's more now than it would have used to have been. So, like absolutely. More kids, the generation, I mean, I'm a few years younger than you, more kids, the generation behind me, identify as it now than ever before. But,
1: but even whether it's Kids or or family members or friends of the family, or somebody even somebody if they read
0: a story on the internet.
1: Yeah, they, they they know of they know someone who identifies. So then I get into my story and then I come back to language and I, and I talk about different forms of language and and how it spreads and then I talk to them about well. Don't you think eventually somebody from the LGBTQ community is going to hear that, and. If, if they do, eventually the person you know, the person you love, the person in your life is going to hear it. So by using that language, you're essentially hurting them because you're spreading it. And then I take it a step further because wh- whether it's hockey kids who are conforming to this insular environment, this norm, or it's um, people just trying to fit in, in high school, I want them to recognize that, that normal doesn't exist. It's a fallacy. It's fake. We're all a bunch of weirdos.
0: Oh, yeah, have you listened to this podcast? We're definitely a bunch of weirdos over here. <laughs>
1: yeah. But and, and because of that, and, and it's a beautiful thing that we're all weirdos, because it would suck. Imagine if everyone was just like you.
0: Well, uh, there'd be a lot of lot of back and forth and sarcastic arguments. Yeah, but it'd become boring. Well, yeah, it would definitely be boring. You know, and, and this, is, this is what I want
1: these kids to realize. So then when I'm working with hockey teams, it's a little different, because I want them to realize, even taking a step further, one, the social impact they have and and how they can do good with that beyond just by shifting their language within the LGBT community. You know, um, I had one kid uh, in the OITL last year. I spoke to his team. Uh, when the Humboldt tragedy happened, he started a T-shirt line and raised money for Humboldt. I think he raised like twenty or $50,000 for them. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. he told me, he goes, Brock, it's because you came in and made me realize the social impact I can have. And, and I want those kids to realize that I also want them to know that, that they are conforming because they do it at an even deeper level to something that doesn't exist. I mean, half of them may like reading, may like playing music, may like anything, fashion, but they, they don't feel like they can express that or be that because they'll get teased be different
0: hockey hockey doesn't treat them very well when you like things when you, you know when,
1: yeah, when you're different than the hockey norm I had this conversation one time with Brendan Shanahan where he said you know uh, people classify if you don't conform to that exact normal you're different nobody knows what it means nobody understands it and he used Paul Korea as an example Paul Korea used to meditate used to do yoga was big into fitness before it was as popular as it is today, and people saw him as different. Essentially, in my mind, that means he's the gay guy, he's the fag, even though he's not gay and I'm not calling Paul Korea gay. But you know, it's it's well, that it's, dif- it's
0: not too many steps from that.
1: But it's that different that people see as odd. Paul Korea is a Hall of Famer and never got the due he deserved during his career. Because he was different. And, and, and I want these kids to embrace their differences because the reality is, I look at my hockey career, I was constantly injured, I was depressed, I was, became an alcoholic, I was suicidal. I didn't live up to my potential. Hockey probably got 60 70% of my potential out of me. And it's because I had to conform to some BS idea of what normal is. But if we can just allow these people to be themselves and be happier humans, from that, they are going to be more successful hockey players and happier people.
0: Absolutely. Uh, well, we also had the – let's go back to the being different thing. Let's go back to talking about what, what was happening with Dougie Hamilton trade. And you heard – what was it, the museum's comment? Yeah. And I was like – what? what does, and, I, and and I say this as somebody who comes from a personality where I just go, well, okay – so you like going to museums. Everybody does. But in hockey, apparently that's a bad thing because he's not hanging out with the guys, which, again, like when you think about it logically, right, it makes no sense whatsoever. But Zero. in hockey, they don't have the censor to say, well, that doesn't make any sense. You know, like, why are we criticizing somebody for being different and wanting to do something that they want to do? God forbid right and so did we also see the comment now about like OHL teams being told telling their players scrub mentions to Fortnite like again what what's the big deal <laughs> it's like is that too different it's like it's it, that's like an only a hockey thing like other sports have their insular cultures and other sports have their quirks there's no doubt about that but ho- only in hockey would you have something like that happen right and we look at the popularity surging of the nba where everybody's a personality and everybody has their own individual unique brand and who, who has an individual brand in the nhl pk suban and
1: he's he got pushed out of montreal for having his own brand he's deemed a bad teammate for having his own brand
0: and now Emily, and just, like that was the whole thing with me it's like i embraced it in all, again sexuality aside like i embraced it because pk suban's great but only in hockey does that happen like in no other sport is that a, is that really a thing
1: but PK's in, it's even.
0: Well, there's also the racial element of it, too, of course. But.
1: Because of race. Like, if he was a white guy having his own brand, would it be easier? And, and, and it goes. Maybe. But um, yeah, you look at the, the main players, like Connor McDavid's pretty quiet individual.
0: Per- I, and this is no offense to Connor McDavid, he has the personality of a blade of grass.
1: Well, so does Sidney Crosby.
0: He has the personality of a blade of grass,
1: you know. And and but I think that's curated. They probably have personalities, but Connor McDavid, uh, I mean, he his girlfriend is from Sudbury. He's in Sudbury quite often. Never heard of him being there. Never heard of him going out. You know, or or just doing anything. That
0: happen in any other sport, it wouldn't.
1: And it's like, what do you like, you should be able to enjoy life and be who you are and if you're a professional athlete take advantage of that stand for something you know um for that matter monetize yourself if you want like and do different things do what you enjoy even if you're not a professional athlete if you know if you like music or you like this you like that you should be it should be okay
0: who cares it doesn't affect your life personally i've always said that
1: You know, and and as long as you're successful on the field and you're not hurting anyone and you're a good teammate and everything else, it should be irrelevant. The rest shouldn't matter.
0: I want to go into a couple of other things before we get to really talking about what fans can do and what people who are in the sport but aren't playing it can do, because I think that's very important. Firstly, I mean, we wanted to talk about Anders Nielsen, who made some comments to some Swedish publication I forget the name of, but he's the only player in this sport that has actively gone out and said you what you have just basically spent the last forty minutes talking about, which is this sport's culture is terrible, and if I was gay I wouldn't play. Cause I would have been out already of the sport. You know? And when you when you read that and you see somebody talking about it publicly, what do you think about that? Because you've said the same things that he said basically, but he's the only player that has come out and actually said it. And has the, I've played in the NHL and I'm currently playing in the NHL to, you know, back up what he says, right?
1: I'm interested to see how his career goes from here.
0: He's a backup for the Canucks and the Canucks, let's be honest, are kind of not good.
1: No, but I, what I mean is when his contract ends, is he going to get the Kaepernick treatment? I'm, I'm interested to see how it goes from here. And um, I, I, kudos to him for speaking out. I'm happy he did it. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody in his life struggled with this. You know, um, there. But uh, to have that much um, insight to something and um, awareness is pretty cool. Um, that being said, I'm. If I was still playing and training i'd be interested to see what uh professional hockey players are saying you know before i was out if they would be criticizing him or you know thinking that he's probably gay or different things like that which is unfortunate because as a straight masculine man you're not supposed to talk about this stuff or it probably means you're gay
0: you can't support other people for, again, that's, 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 a, that's a cultural thing, I think, even as much as it is hockey, and that's in both countries. But oh, Sweden, too, I guess, in this instance. But, I mean, you can't say, I would like to treat somebody else as they would want to be treated because that's what I would want. <laughs> like, again, like, the logical leap isn't really hard to make here. But, like, that's how deep this is, you know? And yep. I want to ask you a couple of questions now. And we've talked about this before about players in the sport right now. And I've always said, and I've said this to other people who I've talked to, and I know some people in the game, though obviously not as much as you. uh, Do you think there are any players, either deeply closeted or out to teammates and not out in any way publicly, that are at any level of hockey? I'm not just going to include the NHL, but the NHL has what, like 660 players on a roster on any given night? And if we go by statistics, which we think are pretty well-sourced, in fact. It's 1 in 10 or 1 in 11 people in the world will identify as LGBTQ+, or something of that effect. So the odds of somebody in the sport of hockey not being gay right now is practically zero by just pure numbers, and if you take all of hockey culture out of it. But when, as you talk about how ubiquitous this language is, and there aren't many people like me or P.K. Subban who just don't give a crap, and will say you don't have anything to do with me and I'm going to go out and do what I want and you can deal with it. How many people do you think in this sport, and we don't even have to just say players, talk about coaches and people in front offices, how many people do you actually think are gay in this sport right now at any level?
1: Well, actually, I think um, the stats of everything I'm hearing, they've gone up. That's closer to like one in seven, one in eight. Oh, well, and
0: that makes it even more likely to say, yeah, okay, and, then and, there, there's even more of a likelihood that it's somebody.
1: For that matter, apparently, um, a friend of mine just graduated med school, and they were taught that uh, I think it's close to fifty percent of millennials experiment with the same sex. And um,
0: as I said, which, younger generation they, they care even less about this sort of thing.
1: If and and which is also jumping. in the sense that they whether they identify that way or not, they're interested in understanding.
0: I think also, just to quickly go off on a sidetrack here, like you look at YouTube right now, you look at some like popular like YouTube couples or things that people watch, how many of them are same sex couples? It's amazing. And yeah. they ship them and stand them in the same way as everything else. It just well, doesn't matter.
1: For sure. And and I mean
0: like that even when I saw that for the first time, and it was recently, I went, They they don't care. It's just a thing that they like. And even for me, who's somebody who's in a generation that also doesn't really care, and somebody who's LGBTQ plus myself, it's like even then I'm like, "Wow, all right, Good good work, young kids.:
1: But you know I I would argue there's there's a lot of people struggling with their sexuality in hockey, whether they're married to women and hiding it, or they are um, younger. And, and, or single, they're, they're struggling with their sexuality. There's, there's definitely, you know, you look at, if, if you take into account, you look from major, uh, take junior hockey, major junior, NCAA, um, professional ranks across, so minor pro across the world, um, and the NHL. That's over 10,000 players annually.
0: And how many that mean have existed in the past?
1: You know, that's annual. So that, would, that would be, just on old statistics, one out of 10 would be 1,000 gay players annually. That's not counting uh, coaches. That's not counting management. That's not counting um, uh, support staff, like equipment managers and things like that, uh, and uh, athletic therapists and whatnot. That's just players, and I'm the only one in the history of the sport to come out publicly
0: it seems just completely impossible when you not- when you just do the math and you just think about it taking the sport and the culture and all that background out of it right
1: and and not only that like from my perspective i I, I mean I I'm a public figure now. I go around and speak about this stuff and, and offer support and whatnot. Not one hockey player currently playing has come to me struggling with their sexuality.
0: Does the, the, are you surprised by that? Or is there something in there that says, you know what, I, I, I get it? Or, I, or I is do it, or get is it. it be, or is it because like, for some people, like you're not as famous as you should be. Let me be very clear here. And that's not only because I'm friends with you, but because you should be famous for doing what you're doing because you're the only one and someone has to do this. But are you surprised that your visibility, particularly in Canada, not even talking maybe here, but in Canada is like, are you surprised still that no one's come to you? Like even a former player?
1: And thanks for that by the way. Nice to see you. Well, it's uh,
0: well again, I have the it's it, even if I didn't have the connections, I was always somebody who said, why are you discriminating against this group of people when they don't affect your lives in any way directly when I wasn't out and when I didn't really know what my sexuality was. That's always been my line of thought. It's been generally being self-centered to the point of I don't care what you do. Your life is your life. It doesn't affect mine in any way. But Right. That's a different personality and a different take on this than I think most people have. And I fully admit that.
1: I, I'm, I guess I'm not surprised really that people haven't come to me just because I am fairly public. Um, and they may fear, you know, that it outs them and, and that is a fear. That's, that's, the genuine fear of coming out publicly is or being gay in hockey is being outed or being forced out. So I'm not surprised people haven't come out to me. Um, Am I disappointed? I'm disheartened by it. I wish I could be a support to them. I, I mean, I've struggled with it. I know what it's like. And if I can pass on my experiences. and help make it easier for somebody else and, and blaze a trail for others, in, regardless of the sport or regardless if they're in sport or not. But primarily, I have a soft spot for hockey. I wish I could do that. Um, that said, um, I'm I'm not surprised people haven't come to me. I'm really not.
0: Do you think that one day you're going to get that? Because you would think, like, at some point... You know, we always talk about having allies in your life and the well-meaning majority to support you. And I think that's more the case, particularly in Canada. But also, I just think you need empathy, right? You need somebody who's been there. And in hockey, you have basically zero. Like, if you're talking with soccer and you're a young gay player coming up in the U.S. right now, you at least have two players to look up to and say, yeah, okay, they've done this that I can do that. You have college football players. You have an NBA player who you could look up to. But in hockey, you have you, and that's it. Like, do you think that that has a role? That there's just not anybody who you could talk to, and there just aren't even that many public allies? I mean, Anders Nielsen made his comments, and you have Brian Burke because of his son, obviously. But beyond that, you just have basically nothing.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I struggle with that. I, I It's difficult to... Um see that and know that and it, it, it's it's tough that people aren't more aware and i wish people would come to me i really
0: do i want them to come to me too i said that when i when i wrote my thing i said please come to me if you need help because we're all here to help each other because the whole saying in the community is you come out not as much for yourself but for the people after you to make it easier you know completely and, and, and especially when you're in a world like we're in where it is definitely a bit behind the general population.
1: It really is, um, you know, and I I mean, I do, I'm I'm fortunate in the sense I do get to help kids and people on a daily basis. However, I wish I was, um, you know, helping more people in my sport because um, the sport is something that hockey is, my first love and at the same time it was my biggest demise and i i just want to make it a great place and it's you know that hockey culture crushed me yep nothing felt better than being on the ice and there's a
0: lot of people out there who kind of say they're like i love hockey for all of its faults and hockey has a billion faults and i will not defend them but i love this sport because there's nothing like it of all the sports that i like it's so unique in why i like it you know but it's just like of all the sports that i like and that i cover and then i follow there's just something just it, like sometimes you just feel like morally like what am i doing here like even football for all of its moral qualms i'm like you know what at least i can see something in here that it feels be- like that was my first sport that i liked and I could put that aside for at least a little bit with hockey. It's almost like, boy, it's hard to get away from this. And especially as somebody who's being out and cares a lot about this sport, it feels like that. Like, I don't know what discrimination I would ever get in the sport if I ever tried to do broadcasting, which is what I want to do, or covering it. As I said, my personality is such that I don't really care. So if they didn't want to give me a job because I like men and women, then too bad, you're losing out on somebody pretty good here. But, you know, like, I, I feel the way, way, and I think a lot of fans feel the same way, Right. Like, if it's something else, if it's just the hockey culture or if it's how they deal with certain issues, like, they feel like, I love this sport, but I just hate some of the crap that goes on. And I can't get beyond that. And the LGBT issues are huge in this, too.
1: Yeah, I think, though, you're, like, with your, you know, career, you identify as, you know, a media member, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, You identify as somebody who would broadcast or do something in the media field within the sport. But I think as a player, you don't identify solely as a hockey broadcaster. No. You identify as a broadcaster. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. No, that's absolutely right.
1: Whereas as a player, you identify solely as a hockey player. I don't identify as an athlete. So because of that and and, you know when you're so entrenched in the culture you're afraid to lose that identity because it's what you're known as i mean i grew up as brock mcgillis hockey player and and when i would see people at different places you know whether it's family like uh, gatherings or um people on the street or parents of friends or wherever or or when i got to higher levels after into junior and whatnot fans in different places all they talk to you about is hockey all they talk to you about is how's your career how's your season how's this what where are you going next year what are you doing those types of things so i was solely a hockey player so you know so for you in a sense like maybe another sport will be more inclusive whereas for those players that are hiding it's like this is all i have this is who i identify as and that's why part of the reason why i want them to think a little outside of the box and recognize they have other you know leave that bubble in a sense and recognize they have other loves and passions and hobbies and things they enjoy because that makes it even scarier when you're just identifying solely as one thing
0: i i don't disagree with you although as i say my personality type was such that i would go in to kind of destroy that and saying well i'm here deal with it yeah I'll make your life miserable along the way but i'm doing it i'm good meaning but i might come at it from a different way and i'm again again that's me i i can't say that enough that I language think doesn't really but, affect me in the same way
1: but but i think their fear is I'm going to be pushed out the door. I'm going I, to be- I can
0: imagine that. And and that's why I'm saying like the first gay hockey player that is out while they are playing. And I have a question about this that I want to get to. And then I want to talk a little bit about the Brian Burke and Brendan Burke stuff before we get to the end of this. But the first thing I want to say here is like when you look at some of these these players, you you wonder like the first one of them that comes out has to have such a strong personality. Like, almost kind of P.K. Subban-like. Like, you know, P.K. just doesn't care. I mean, he's part of the hockey culture, but he goes out and does all these things, and he does not let that affect him. That's just who he is. And he's strong enough and a good enough hockey player that it just does not matter. He'll, he'll have his detractors, but he's too, he is too good, to, you know, to be brought down by some of that nonsensical garbage that makes no sense. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. the first player that comes out... Whether they're as good as P.K. Subban or not, they're going to have to have that same kind of personality where it's like, I don't really care what you think. And it or would be the, such the antithesis of hockey. Like, you, there are only so many players like that. The first player to come out is not going to be the pucks in deep, you know, we forecheck well, that kind of player. It's going to be a P.K. Subban type of player. Do you get what well, I mean?
1: Yeah, he can be the other way, though. He, he just needs a – I think that player would need to be protected –
0: he would need like he would need an incredible support group from inside an organization, a team that made it better for him, or the league itself. And oh, there's another thing I want to get into with the league, A strong, Boy, I strong PR that.
1: team, whether it's a strong PR team, the league, whoever agents. would have agents would have to really protect him. Um, And and because there's very few PKs or a Sean Avery or outlandish players out there.
0: Yeah. Oh God, I forgot. Um, I I forgot. I keep forgetting about Sean Avery. Okay. (laughs) You remind me like that.
1: There's very few players like that in the game of hockey. So this player, if number one, if he's not a superstar, if he's just you know a third, fourth line guy or, you know, uh, a 5'6 defenseman or backup goalie, he better have a strong team in place to protect him.
0: Yeah. I I don't disagree with that. I want to make sure now that I get to the point of the NHL itself because this is important, I almost forgot about it, and I want to get your opinions on all these things. Like, we talk about what the NHL is doing in some ways. They march in pride parades in New York. They have a presence in Toronto. A lot of the teams do stuff. A lot of teams have pride nights. You know, the Panthers had it from my experience. I mean I know plenty of other teams do this. I mean a lot of flames just marched in Calgary's Pride Parade and that's that's a big deal in of itself because that's Alberta, but let's not get into that. So when you look at what the NHL is doing, I can imagine some fans saying, and I'm not saying that they're ignorant or homophobic, they are probably saying, Isn't this enough? Or is or they're already doing a lot now, aren't they? In terms of the efforts of these teams to have Pride Nights, which do matter, or you know, Aaron Eckblatt had pride tape in a warm-up once again, does this help or is it something or can more be done or are they doing this and they, they're doing something and they have well-meaning intentions, but they don't quite know what to do.
1: I, I'm not a big fan of that stuff. Quite honestly, I, I don't care for it. I, I almost from a fan perspective might be, yeah, they're doing enough, which you know what? they're doing something good on them i don't think it helps if anything i think it hinders because it, it in a sense it pink washes it gives the illusion that look we've done this and we're you know doing this and we're we're showing how inclusive we are so everything's great
0: or we're telling you how inclusive we are
1: yeah yeah exactly we're we're telling you we're inclusive but behind closed doors because it is so insular, the, the reality is, and I know I've been behind those doors, it's not. And and maybe not for... It might be that people want to be inclusive and don't know how.
0: That's what I think most of it is, don't 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 you?
1: Yeah, I do. I don't think hockey is this nasty, vicious, malicious sport. I just think it, it's so insular and they won't let anyone in. For example, um, on the Ontario Hockey Federation... Um, the governing body of hockey across Ontario in Canada um, just released they were forced to um, do sensitivity training with players because of a lawsuit brought on by a trans athlete and instead of hiring an outside source or even coming to me and saying Brock would you do this they have their coaches who are former players who aren't necessarily, they they have no idea how the, the viewpoints of these coaches, whether they're homophobic, transphobic, whether they care, whether they're inclusive or not, they have no idea, and they have them teaching kids about the LGBTQ community and pronouns.
0: You can see how that probably wouldn't work.
1: It's actually going to make it worse because now you have kids if the coach is uncomfortable, it's going to be visible and he's the leader and kids are going to pick up on that. Or if a coach mocks it, kids are going to pick up on that and then they're going to copy that behavior. So I I, I think it's going to do more hindering than good. And I think it's the same thing with these, you know, Pride Nights. It's like we're showing you that we do good. OHF is showing you, oh, look, see, we we, we do inclusivity training and sensitivity training. Well, you don't because you have people that you haven't vetted to know if they're competent and capable to do it. And then you give them a 45-minute online course and then tell them to do it.
0: Oh, online courses are the worst.
1: Yeah. No one likes so, them. Nobody likes them. Nobody watches them. And I've – you know, different issue, but I've gone over that with them before and saying I put them on mute and watch a movie and answer the questions at the end. But
0: I've done that too and – and that's you know, just for, like, safe driving.
1: Exactly. And so I, I think these pride events, pride nights, pride tape is almost pink washing and giving the illusion that everything is great in our sport. We don't understand why nobody's gay, but the reality is more could be done at a grassroots level. Take the money they spent on those events and go to your minor hockey associations and shift things at a grassroots level. Um, and make it more inclusive for everybody and teach kids why this is bad or wrong and and shift language and educate your players and your staffs on why this is bad or wrong and why you need to shift your language and the, the, the social impact it actually has.
0: I'm going to play devil's advocate here just a little bit and I think that, you know, you could argue that. I mean, it's the same. You could argue if you're really being cynical and I am a cynic, if you've listened to this podcast, you know I'm a cynic. Uh, you could argue it's the same as like Star Wars Night, right? But I think that it helps to have it, and maybe maybe the Colin Martin example is one that I shouldn't really use because it's a news story and it's one that's connected with me in a major way, as you might well imagine, because I care about soccer a lot. And he talked about how the Pride Knights actually did mean something to him. Again, MLS is a completely different sport and league in a completely different universe. If you've ever been to an MLS game with Toronto FC, you probably, I think most people. In that example, you know, right? MLS is a completely different universe into it of itself. I mean, almost the antithesis of hockey. But there it helped, right? And, and th-
1: again, there it's, their culture is very different.
0: Well, I also think because the culture in MLS of who is a fan is also really, really different than hockey, right? You would not but, say that MLS fans are emblematic of a culture of a, of a certain country Maybe of a city in some way, but even then, it's just a slice of a city. And, and it, even the sport itself, because... Oh, it's like, got its huge issues. I mean, have you seen what's been going on with Hector Bellerin in the, the Premier League? That's a huge problem. I, I think in Europe
1: it's a little different, but the sport in North America, I mean, I, I witnessed growing up soccer players being teased because they're in a non-rugged masculine
0: sport. When it's pretty, well, I mean, God, have you seen some of what's been happening in that sport? Anyway, I um, won't we'll go into
1: that. The exception is that it's less masculine. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and,
0: I kind of I kind of remember you, you you'd say that. That doesn't exist nearly as much anymore. No, but I think that's why
1: there's probably less of that language used in that sport. And and oh, probably a little more empathy amongst players and fans. It's certainly
0: in okay. MLS, it's 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 like that. But as I say, MLS is a completely different league. I'm only saying that because the Colin Martin story is the freshest, and I will cite it a thousand times. And every time there's a story written about him, I will read it and I will promote it because it's important.
1: And he's a great guy.
0: I I have been, yep. One day I hope to meet him and talk to him, and you know. But that's, we've, again, another discussion.
1: We've had conversation and um, really nice guy.
0: Like, when you're, the, when you're the only one, like that's, like, that's something I think that you would have more of an example of than me. I mean, I kind of have it, but I'm not at a high enough level yet in terms of being a broadcaster where I can talk about it in, in those sorts of contexts. Like, you, you would kind of say, like, you're the only one, right? Because you, you're both in that, in that sort of position. But, I mean, tailing it back to hockey – back to the, the whole pride night thing like do you think it does help in some way because i think having it, it it's not bad to have it like it it's at least it's coming from a good place if it's coming from a place where they don't quite know what to do
1: you know what i mean but if you don't know what to do
0: i mean i i don't disagree with you that if you don't know what to do don't do it at all but i mean like, for the nhl's sake like you, you can understand why they're kind of like oh well we kind of have to do this right
1: yeah, but I, my theory is if you don't know what to do, you ask. Well, if you don't I don't,
0: feel the problem is they don't have anybody to ask. Well, they do. Well, now they do with you and me.
1: You know, they they do. They, they, there's there's always been people they could ask, and and it doesn't have to be a current player. There's there's other ways to find out what to do. Um, do do I think prime nights are great? I'm, I'm not keen on them. It might just be me. I might just be cynical in that regard with it. Um, do I think other things could be done that are more effective? Yes, but that's me. That's that's just my own personal belief and bias on it. That being said, I, I guess like any visibility is good visibility. Um, uh, I wish it was followed up by more. And, and more education with fans and language and different things if you're going to have that night. Um, because I don't think a lot of the fans recognize. I mean, when Vegas, I think it was Vegas had theirs, um, fans revolted on social media. and I don't
0: think Twitter's a good gauge of that, though. But No, but there was a lot of them. Well, again, like, as I said, like, you can't reckon with idiots. Like, they're not...
1: It was the Devils, and they said, see you later, which I was like, cool. That's where I went, you know, maybe it was the Devils where they said, fine, don't come back. And I went, okay, that's a statement. That's a statement. That's what what I want to see from these teams is making a statement and then having... People who are out in the community, such as myself, being able to go to schools and to hockey teams and being like, hey, you can beat yourself. Look what New Jersey did. I I think it was Jersey. Oh,
0: and and, and, it might have been, and I can tell you from knowing a friend who's a Devils fan, there is a chant that that they have because they are very cynical New Jerseyans, as I am, although I wouldn't say this. They have a chant that I don't know it, so I'm not going to repeat it, but it goes, suck swallows." watches basically insert players and teams here which i told my friend really that's stupid because it's not getting anybody off their game and it doesn't make you sound funny i've always said that with chance and that's and that's devil's fans and i and i don't know if i remember hearing it of the game i've been to some and i know that some fans probably say it and i told my friend don't say it because well you don't know who you're hurting and it's also really stupid and makes you look like an idiot but, you know, like, with teams saying that, it, it, it does make a statement. Because, while there are homophobes who are hockey fans, but you can't reason with them. They are already well beyond the pale. It's with the well-meaning a, majority that doesn't yet know what to do, that you have to get at.
1: But, and, and that's where I applaud the Devils for standing up and saying, if you don't like our Pride Night, see you later. You don't have that's, to show up. Don't come back. We don't want you. That's a statement. That is a powerful statement. That is the way that you create change. Because people like myself who are in that world, but also, you know, um, dealing with younger players, dealing with youth, then you cite that as an example. I'm able to then go to, you know, throw that on Instagram. And I have my, you know, because I deal with so many kids, my main social is uh, main medium is Instagram and kids will see that and then they go oh cool I can be me and New Jersey doesn't care
0: which is really weird when you say New Jersey doesn't care anyway
1: but, but it's reality and, oh. and that's how we're oh, going to that's...
0: when you said New Jersey I thought the state and I'm thinking oh boy
1: <laughs> no but but that's how the shift will be created in the sport
0: Oh, I don't disagree with you. I don't disagree. I've seen other teams' social media accounts do that. You know, I saw yeah. it with, I think it was the Rockies when they had a, women, a woman do play-by-play and idiots went nuts. And then they said, I favorited all those streets. of like, hey, you don't have to listen or something to that effect. They said it in a lot wittier way than I did uh, this then. But I, I want to ask you then, then, what can these teams do? Let's say they still hold Pride Nights because it's not an obligation, but they feel like they want to. What can these teams do otherwise say in the pride nights, in the middle of these games, what can they do then during the game and after the game to help tell fans, all right, this is what you should do. This is what you can do. And this is what you can do to make this environment better for these people who you know are in the building tonight because math says that there are plenty of them, whether they're out or not.
1: I think they need to engage and educate within the the sport community. Um, I think they can go to. I, I think the team should start working with minor hockey in their city and start educating them and have these conversations and and uh, talk to them about the language they use because it's not just. I, I spoke to one association who said well, it's the racism is still as rampant as as um, homophobic language. Uh, I was baffled. I couldn't believe that. But um, I, th- I think these teams need to go and, and use their influence for good with younger people. And whether it's, you know, taking their draft picks in and teaching them um, or just going to their local minor like, one night a year, get all the minor hockey kids, bring them to your arena, and have the conversation.
0: Hey, doesn't sound like a terrible idea in principle.
1: It, it, it's one night. It would take two hours.
0: I don't. Again, I don't disagree with you, and you would know more about this than I would. I mean, I can only say, like, I've done so much because I, I cover the sport. I haven't played it, and it's not my only sport. It's one that I care about deeply, though. And Is there anything else, like, as a fan like because a lot of the people who are listening to this podcast now um, whether they're panthers fans or not that's the majority but whether they are listening to this and you'll promote this and you'll encourage people to listen to this podcast and they're fans like they watch the sport they care about the sport they might play beer league but they're not you know inside the sport in the ways we've been talking about what can they do to make it better for others around them
1: two things the easiest one is stop using the language Stop. If
0: they're around me, they'll stop using the language because I'll make fun of them vociferously for it.
1: But, but. And, and even that, if they're, you know, in the locker room and their buddies are using it, if they're playing, you know, pickup or or if they're, um, you know, in the arena and people they know are using it, engage and educate with them. Tell them why it matters and, and tell them how many people could be struggling and how there's 20,000 people at a game or 18,000. Not in the There's Panthers
0: a- game, but close enough.
1: Yeah, fair. Maybe someday. Barkov's going to get them to the playoffs.
0: Well, did you see what happened when the Panthers made the playoffs last time and Islanders fans said, went, hey, where are all the fans? And I said, it's the Islanders we're talking about. Anyway, let's not get too <laughs> sidetracked about this. Attendance jokes with the Panthers are kind of boring. And again, I always, just as an aside, I always say to people, if you're going to make a joke, at least try to make a joke that's funny and different and new because hockey fans really don't know how to do that.
1: No, but they're the part only of one it.
0: who's funny is Down Goes Brown. Literally, that's the only one. It's the only yeah, he, in hockey that's funny.
1: Yeah, he's good. Um, but he makes he, jokes
0: that are actually funny and points out things that are creative, as opposed to everybody else who doesn't.
1: I also kind of like Dark Guy.
0: Uh, oh, well, you know what? I, I joked with a friend of mine, my co-host, about that. He's he's a scout now, isn't he?
1: Yeah. Well, he's from uh, my hometown.
0: It's so funny how he became famous, and I and I joked and I, I joked with him. I said, "Have you seen who got famous?" There was a kid who literally got famous by working at Target because teenage girls got excited. That's that's the world we live in now. But I mean, like again, even somebody like him could do a lot. And you and you've talked with him about it, uh, this issues, haven't you?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. He uh, he brought it up in an interview without even talking to me about it, and then uh, reached out because I hadn't seen. Jason, since we were kids, I mean, he was a goalie. He's a couple years older than me. We played minor hockey around the same time, but uh, yeah, I, di- I didn't even realize Dark Eye was him until about a year ago.
0: <laughs> Isn't that funny?
1: Yeah, and it's hilarious. But, but it's the reality is, um, if if the fans, you know, take a moment and recognize that they're probably hurting somebody in that arena, you know, uh, then they may stop, they may take a step back and, and think about their actions a little bit more. And that's kind of, I mean, I think that's the first step if is recognizing that, shit, I don't, I don't need to say this to get my point across or to be a part of the culture. That shouldn't be the culture. The culture is the sport.
0: Isn't there also just the sense that a lot of these people, they just... They don't know anybody like until they get the ability to empathize and be like, oh, oh, I I see what you mean. Right. You know, like you have people who are active and are definitely allies, but it's different once you have empathy. Right. And because Mm -hmm. hockey, you just as we mentioned before, there just aren't many empathetic figures who if you are young and you like this sport and you're a fan or you want to broadcast or you want to play and you identify as LGBTQ plus and you just don't know anybody like it's hard right like and also i think it comes into the whole idea of like of personalities like who you are like you again as you said you're masculine come off as bro-y, right but you're gay and like these things are important for people to understand like you can be like that and be that sexuality and it wouldn't be anything bad and it's okay to be like that like that's something that i struggled with because i think most people struggle with it it's like if you're not like the certain horrible box stereotype that you get in culture of who is gay and who is you know different sexually like that's another thing that we have to get like you can be a hockey player and be gay and have it not really mean anything different like the two things can coexist and the empathy just has to be there and now that people know you they might be thinking oh wait what would he say or maybe somebody will think what would Matt say about such an issue right if you said that and that's what i said to my friend i'm like can you not do this you not do this chant not only is it homophobic it's just stupid and you look like an idiot maybe maybe people won't say it like i would say it but they might say it in a different way and then they will understand you know hey that's the only way you can change right it's just by getting people to be able to see that these stories exist these people exist and you might be sitting next to one of them in a game and they might be going oh god and feeling like you don't want to do it, like no one would ever want to do it directly to somebody, right? Like you, you mm-hmm. think most people are well-meaning, but they Hopefully. just don't know because they don't have the personal experiences. How many times have you talked to people and their experiences with the LGBT community change instantly once they know somebody, right? Oh,
1: yeah, daily, even, even with working with junior teams and whatnot. Um, kids say to me all the time, I, I didn't realize the impact my language can have on people. Thank you for making me aware.
0: And then you just hope that they don't do it again.
1: Yeah, and, and I I tend to not be a cynic by nature, so I have uh, an, an innate belief that people are good and they don't want to hurt others, so they'll likely shift it. And, you know, um, from my experiences, they do shift it. Um, Which lends
0: credence to our idea that it's that they are well meaning, but they just don't know what to do.
1: They're just products in their environment.
0: It's it's not it's not innate. It's all taught.
1: Yes, and um, at the same time, um, from higher levels, I have criticism because I, I think if you don't know what to do, you ask. You know, from legal perspectives. Um, as opposed to players, younger players who are creating habits at a young
0: age. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're not wrong about that. I want to quickly get to one more thing before we, we end this off because this is a discussion that's gone on for long. We could talk about this for probably days because there's so many layers to this. I want to talk about a Brian Burke, and you mentioned with your stories, and there are plenty of stories you could read. You just retweeted one. What was the magazine that that was in? I can't remember what it was, and I'm sorry about that.
1: Uh, in oh, one that I just did I just yeah. did one in magazine I have uh, a hockey project actually coming out with um, I'm not allowed to say what it is yet but it's with um, uh, Bob McKenzie coming out
0: um, well you, you you spoiled it a little bit
1: yeah that's all I'm gonna say um, I have something coming out with Bob McKenzie at the end of uh uh october but um yeah i I just had an article in in magazine it's an lgbt magazine come out um last week
0: i read it i I read it on saturday when i was watching football
1: nice college i assume on saturday college,
0: uh, college football yes with with my horrible football team that has uh Boy, doesn't it seem similar? You, if you've read about the Maryland football program, I don't want to get into that here because that's a completely another podcast and we talk about football culture. Mm-hmm. It's going to ring really similar, but we'll talk about that off the air. And if you haven't read about it yet, please do, and when you do, have a nice, strong drink standing by. And then call uh-huh. for me. Uh, but I want to talk not just about these stories. And Of course, you should read them. Everything that he does, you should read because you'll learn a little bit more. And that's what we're all trying to do with learning. And I want to talk about... And in that story, you talked about Brendan Burke and how you had a relationship with him. And obviously, everyone knows about Brian Burke's son, Brendan, and what happened. And he was on 31 Thoughts with Elliot Friedman and, and Jeff Merrick. Jeff Merrick, who is a friend of mine and a friend of this show. He will be on it soon, hopefully, uh, Two incredibly great people that I've talked to. And they talked very briefly with Brian on that podcast about the LGBT community and hockey. Obviously, he is as connected to it as anybody else. And he talked... Not just about the culture, which was what Jeff said is the biggest impediment to the, uh, to the fact that there aren't many players out, obviously no players out, and that the issues are still so behind. And I completely agree with him. And Brian Burke also mentioned the family aspect of it. And I wanted to talk to you about that because he mentioned that was really important. And he might know more than I would. And obviously, he's well-meaning and he cares, even though he has his gruff hockey exterior. He cares a lot. He's proven it. What do you think, when he talked about the family and having to talk to a family member about it, there's the one family member who they're worried about coming out to, he said that was, I think, if I remember correctly, and if I'm wrong, please somebody correct me on it. This was the 31 Thoughts podcast from probably like May. Uh, he said that that had as much to do with why players aren't out as much as it has to do with the culture. What do you, when you hear that or hear something to that effect, what do you think about that thought process?
1: I didn't hear what he said, so... Basically, it was
0: that it was something along the lines of, and I'm paraphrasing here. And again, I'm sorry if it's wrong or I didn't get it quite right. But it, Jeff Merrick said something along the lines of, "Do you think it's the culture has a huge role to play in why there are no out players and why essentially it's so behind?" And then Brian Burke said, "There's that has a lot to do with it, but it's also telling a certain family member, whether it be an uncle or a, a brother or some family member, that is a huge impediment too." And well, he put that alongside the culture. At this
1: what i'm trying to say yeah sure however they come out in other sports
0: yeah like i said the same and, thing too and, i said it's the culture number one in the family and
1: family and, and and the reality is the majority of these players the majority of hockey players come from hockey families so the the reason they fear dulling uncle bob or whoever else is because They're hockey people. I didn't want to tell my parents because my whole family was involved in hockey and I was afraid that um, I'd be exposed. My brother was a first-round pick in the OHL and played professionally, and my dad coached junior hockey. I have cousins that played junior and university hockey. I have an uncle that played professionally. I had an uncle that played major junior. And I feared that if I told my family and they heard – some of the language that was used by even family members, or that language used in the locker room—different things—they would tell them to stop, and accidentally out me in the process. And so, so yeah, they might fear telling a family member, but it's probably because they're involved in hockey. It, it,
0: and, and I only—and I only bring that up not to criticize Brian Burke, but because of the people who are in hockey that are very front facing invisible and are clearly allies and clearly he does care, right? He does. People... He's, he's
1: a phenomenal guy. I, uh, I have the utmost respect for Brian and what he's done for the community. Um, when he didn't have to, um, I, I think his intentions are, are really good.
0: Like, that's what I'm saying. Like when he speaks most like casual hockey fans will, equate that to an authority figure on the issue because he, he has very a lot, of, lots, a lot of experience with that, obviously, but it's not the whole story. And that's why when I listened to that and I wasn't out yet publicly, I had told family members and I told Jeff that when I listened to that podcast, Jeff and I have DM conversations all the time about certain of these things. Mostly they're about dumb Panthers things, but mostly, you know, I could also talk to him about that. And that's what I told him. I was bisexual when I was having that conversation with him about what was going on there. And with that conversation, I said, I want to get him back. I want him to get back on. And now I want him, you, to be interviewed on that podcast. Because, Well, you want visibility? There, there's your visibility because you get Jeff and Fridge talking to you about that. Can we make that happen? Because, I, I mean, all I'm doing in here, that's great. Uh, y- y'all, need to, y'all up there at Sportsnet, can you please do that? Well, I, if you're talking to Jeff,
1: tell I, him. I've, I told him okay.
0: about you. I told him about you. And I said, you need to talk with him.
1: Well, I would. I'm I, trying to. I, I'm
0: I'm pushing here, dude. I'm pushing.
1: Well, I I appreciate that. I would love to be on their podcast. I mean, Elliot and I have had conversations about things in the past, and he was one of the first people to reach out to me when I came out. And uh,
0: we have the many good, well-meaning people in this sport, and I think being on that of, would help out a ton for your this, visibility, of course.
1: This this sport is filled with phenomenal people. I, I'm a big believer in that but yeah no, I'd love to be on their podcast but I, I I'm a firm believer that uh, the culture is the main reason why people in the sport don't come out
0: mm-hmm. oh I don't disagree with you I think it is too uh, since we're about 90 minutes and this is usually our normal length the podcast by this point we have really gone in the weeds Tommy and I talking about all sorts of fourth-line Panthers nonsense that is just so in the weeds you wonder what the hell do these people do in their free time Uh, But for this podcast, I want to end it with the thought, like, what do you want people who are listening to this who might not have heard your story or have heard mine, but now they have in some way? What do you want those people to know, whether they're fans, whether they're in the media? Because I know there are people in the Panthers front office that follow me and they may listen to my podcast. uh, What do you want them to know about what they can do? What should they do? And how can they be better? for the LGBT community in this sport to help them out, you know, whether they know someone personally, whether they're just well-meaning and they just wanna be just treating other people better. What do you want them to take away from 90 minutes of our discussion here?
1: One, shift their own language. I think it starts there. Two, have conversations with people and, and try and shift the culture within your own group. Um, from there, Have a trickle down to minor sport in your area because it matters and and you have the largest platform as a professional sports team to do so. Um, And just embrace differences. Uh, If people live by the philosophy that we're all weirdos and and not two of us are alike, we'll recognize that this idea of what a, a hockey player should be or pick a sport that player should be is in fact wrong and we should be celebrated for pk subans should be celebrated for being so amazing different. yeah and and, and celebrate no, punished
0: yeah, oh, i think damn. the canadians have figured out that they were punished for it maybe sometimes you want teams to learn the hard way when they're stupid
1: yeah i i don't i i don't with that was really a lesson one i i don't know if anyone understands that well
0: it have should you be seen how it. the canadians are constructing their team they really don't understand up there and it's a joke <laughs> because i love it when the canadians fans when they come to panthers games and they go home sad it's a great well, experience
1: i'm not going to comment on a specific team because i hope to work with all of them someday well, i know i know so. i
0: know but see <laughs> i can make fun of them but, i can make fun of them and do that so it's okay it's, if they have
1: any other questions, I mean, I'm always available. Like, just ask questions.
0: Well, ask I think... Ask One of my favorite lines... I'll get a quote, Jeff Barak. I think he says, when you go into interviews, if you come in, quote, unquote, acting stupid, you, you get a lot more out of it. Like, if you don't come in thinking that you know more than the person you're talking to and you come in willing to learn, it changes a lot. Right? Completely.
1: I, I mean, even within this world, I've learned so much about my own community because I sit and I listen to people talk.
0: Well, I've learned to I,
1: I listen to kids. I listen to adults. I listen to people of color. I listen to trans people. I listen to bisexual people. I listen to lesbians. And, and I want to understand where they're coming from and, and how they feel. And and I think it's really important that these leagues don't just assume how people feel mm-hmm. and assume... How they feel within the culture, uh, they're going to get more out of asking questions and learning. Mm-hmm. And and I I really hope they start doing that. And I and I really hope that you know um, people do take steps forward. And you know, like I looked at the OHL teams and major junior. I've gone out to Quebec League teams. Well, uh, that brought me in, and they sit there, and I'll sit with a general manager or a coach after, and we'll talk for hours. That coach or that management team is then going to hopefully take some of what they learned uh, from my experiences and, you know, shift the way they talk, shift the, the culture of their teams moving forward.
0: Because as much as I have the fantasy of when you get to the coaches and you hear homophobic slur on the ice, you make them bag skate until they throw up. I don't know if that's really reasonable, but... Maybe that's because, again, I, I, I have this idea that I would punish homophobes by strapping them to a chair, Clockwork Orange style, and making them watch Drag Race until their eyes explode. Because, you know, punish punish those who are punishing. As I like to say, when they go low, I go lower. But that's me. And... Well,
1: it's not a punishment to make them watch Drag Race because
0: Well, it's for homophobes it is. Homophobes it is.
1: No, I, I think they would still find the competitiveness and... and...
0: Oh, you, you underestimate homophobes and how terrible they are. <laughs> I, 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 would, I would do that, but anyway. Well, I like the bag skating idea better, but whatever the case may be. A couple of questions before, before we go. Uh, there will be an outplayer in the NHL one day. It's impossible to think that it won't happen. It might take a while. you told me 20 to 30 years. I'm going to be optimistic and say it will take less than that. Do you think the, the outplayer that comes into in the NHL is going to be somebody who is actively playing in the league and then comes out? Or do you think it's somebody who comes from the lower levels of hockey and gets drafted or just makes his way into the league and is already out by that point? What do you think happens first?
1: I think it's going to come from younger ages and kids who grow up in an environment that is less homophobic and where the culture has shifted and can feel comfortable being themselves. I don't think any current player will come out during their playing days.
0: Do you think we will ever see a former player come out? Besides you, obviously.
1: I don't know. Not if they want to stay in the game. I I don't think um, people who have aspirations, a lot of hockey people stay in the game, in management and coaching and whatnot. And I don't think those people would come out. So, um I don't think we'll see a former player for another 15, 10, 10 years,
0: 10 years. That was less than the 20. You told me the first time we talked. Well, I like the moving up current player, current player. Okay.
1: A a player after retirement, I'd say at least 10 to Mm Mm-hmm. I think we're that far behind in the sport. I think it's, it's almost at an archaic state.
0: Well, there's also, I think, the idea that, again, I come from the MLS background, and as I talked about it before, I don't want to go too much further on this, but coming from the MLS background where it's a story for about a week and then it isn't, but it's MLS and that's a different league, like, it would be a gigantic story in Canada. It would be, it would somebody comes out and the first player, who's going to have to have all of the pressure of being the example that everyone else has to follow and having to speak for the entire LGBT community in Canada? Like, that's a huge burden that's going to take a lot on some person to do, yeah? And it's, that's why I'm saying, like, again, like, for hockey in Canada, it would be such a seismic shift. In the U.S., so, it wouldn't be a huge deal. I mean, it would, be a, it would be a story, but it wouldn't be the same deal as if it was in Canada. And I think that also has something to do with it. Well, especially if it was a Canadian. Maybe if it was an American or somebody else, it might not be the same big deal, but...
1: It would be. It, you don't it, want to it, split hairs. story in Canada, it would be. But it's so intense, like I even look at my life and uh, I have people reaching out from all over the world on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't even in the NHL or a current player in the
0: sport. So it's like that, that, that could be, I hope it's not a reason, but it could be another reason why so many players would just not, I mean, not just because of the stupid be, distraction no. element, but for the player himself, he would have so much on his shoulders but, you know, they wouldn't even know.
1: I didn't know this was going to happen. I wrote an article because uh, of Pulse. I wrote an article because that hockey season leading up to Pulse, um, uh, an entire hockey association alienated me and blackballed me from working with players, a hockey association I grew up in. Um, I wrote an article because I had found out that two major junior players were um, told by their teams that if you come out, we're cutting you. Jesus Christ. And this was, you know, two years ago. So um, I had no idea the social impact it would have. And now I travel around the country and likely, hopefully soon around the world, trying to create a shift. Um, And I didn't even intend to do that. They... I start getting calls to do that. There there was no manual, no handbook, nothing to guide me through this. It was just trial and error and and still is. Mm-hmm. And I'm faced with different situations on a daily basis. But the reality is they you know, that, that player has no idea of the magnitude because I didn't even know.
0: Well, and if you didn't know and you were out of the game for – well, out of the game playing-wise for a while, I mean, even my – even when I did it, I mean, I'm not – we're not talking 100,000 likes on Twitter from Colin Martin or even a 1,000 for some other people who I've, I've seen when they came out and it was current or former college football players. You know, I, I even got notes from people I was like, I'm surprised. I, I saw the – I looked at the number of people who liked my Facebook post when I posted it, and I'd get – you know family members sending the article around and everybody would say well it's a great article and i just see the look people like oh i wasn't expecting that and like i i'd see people who would respond to me on on twitter with this and i'd be going like wow well okay like you don't know who it reaches you don't know who these stories reach right and the world is tiny now it's not we're not divided by oceans we're not divided by geopolitical stuff we're divided by a tweet or divided by an instagram post that that, that's where it comes in right
1: absolutely so the reality is it's it's very small and um the magnitude of it i don't think they'll realize until it happens i mean the first day between dms texts and uh phone calls i received i think it was it was between 10 and 20,000 messages.
0: D- didn't get that many for me, but that's because I'm a pokey broadcaster who just makes jokes on the internet about the Panthers, basically. <laughs> you know. But, I but, mean, like, even then, even then it was, like, still, it was still big by my standards. Like, I wasn't expecting all that happened. You know what I mean?
1: And, and you know, I didn't expect, I, I expected maybe a few people I grew up with maybe messaged me. That was it. And, and it just skyrocketed and took off. And it wasn't my intent. My intent was hopefully to help some kids have conversations to maybe shift culture.
0: Or just just relieve the pressure off of yourself just to do it and get it done so you never have to do it again.
1: And also empower myself with the different people who had blackmailed me and whatnot and used my sexuality against me. I was like, okay, here. I'm gonna take back my power and say, now now i own it i'm out publicly you can't use that
0: it's and i also say it to people like you don't know even if you're me and you have a personality of literally i don't care what anyone thinks about me you know what i mean it's so hard to know right what it means to come out because it's so difficult and no one no one has any clue unless you do it right yeah completely that is the story and we've talked about this for over a hundred minutes we could spend probably a hundred hours talking about this but i don't want to keep brock away from doing other things that he hopefully can be doing and you need to pimp out all your social media things so go do that so people can follow you if they don't already because you're followed by a shamelessly small number of people on twitter at least i'm not a huge instagram yeah guy. My,
1: my my instagram reach is uh pretty high i'm at 20k there but yeah
0: yeah your, your twitter reach is shamelessly small like i i i like instagram but I, I mean i just got a phone that takes halfway decent pictures and i don't have instagram so yeah. that that's out of my that's out of my purview but i stay out of places that are out of my purview i let other people deal with that they have more experience yeah.
1: my twitter game isn't as good as it should be
0: well at least it'll be better than well, at least it'll be better than mine <laughs>
1: well you're right up there though you're you're, you're almost the same as mine, so.
0: No, you've got a thousand more than I do.
1: Okay, I was being polite. I'm Canadian.
0: You, to, you, you can understand, but you're dealing with, you're Canadian I'm polite, and I'm from New Jersey and inherently cynical because we are all born. We are all born by uh, saying in New Jersey, geez, could have been worse. <laughs> Hi, we're the only state in the world. We're the only place in the world that separates its highways, that puts trucks and buses somewhere else because you don't want to deal with them. (laughs) Listen, we're the only state in the world that gets stereotyped by people that aren't actually from our state. (laughs) Fair. Either Hollywood or they're they're people who are sixth-generation Italians from Manhasset, Long Island, and uh, Bridgeport, Connecticut.
1: And... You had one of the most successful reality TV series ever.
0: Which is a reason why, I mean, I, if I've told somebody, I have an actor friend of mine who used to work for MTV, and one of the first things I said was, I would send Jersey Shore to the deepest pits of hell if I could. Because it was one of the most offensively trite pieces of complete, total garbage I have ever seen in my entire life. And I trust me, I've been to the place like the, where they, the Seaside Heights house where they first stayed in got destroyed by Sandy, which was horrible for the Jersey Shore, a place I love. And I said that was God coming in and saying Jersey Shore was a mistake. Don't do it again. Because okay. they're coming back. I I know. And God help us all. Well, they made just a bunch of other shows. They made a show about West Virginia Rednecks. And then someone died on it. And I said, listen, you idiots. You didn't learn your lesson. And then they did a show called... Flora Shore, which is, I mean, just listen to how stupid that sounds, and that's just a bunch of rednecks, and I'm like, hey, they might be rednecks, but let them deal with their own culture, alright? I don't need MTV telling me what these people are like. They got their own distinct culture. And, and, and yeah, Jersey Shore is a heinous piece of garbage that needs to be sent to the deepest pits of hell and could burn there. I hate that show. I, I've, anyway. Is it because you don't tan? Well, no, it's not because I don't tan. It's because it's like, you know what? We, we're cynical in New Jersey, but let New Jerseyans tell you why we suck. We don't need other people telling you why we suck. I've read a book on the Soprano State on Jersey politics, and it's hilarious. My grandmother worked in New Jersey politics. You don't need to explain this to people. Like, that's who we are. We are born cynical. And yeah. I, I embrace that. I mean, I'm, born, I'm, I'm from the part of New Jersey that's outside of Philadelphia. It's the part of New Jersey you know what admits exists. It's not even North Jersey. I mean, yeah, come
1: on. It's the part of New Jersey where people wish they were from Pennsylvania.
0: Well, they they, they say they're from Philadelphia until we're like, really, are you? No, I'm from New Jersey. I'm, I'm from South Jersey. They they sound like they're from Philadelphia. They do. I, I can tell you because it's an exam because I know. But – Okay, we're getting too much in the weeds here about how much I hate Jersey Shore. That's another podcast entirely. Uh, on all the things I hate about that show and how Superstorm Sandy was actually God's punishment for Jersey Shore existing. Anyway, before I make more enemies in, in, in my home state, although I, I love it here, but again, I, I, I'm 10 minutes away from where all the Flyers live, basically. yeah, They all, li- they all live here. They don't live in Pennsylvania. They live, they live 10 minutes away from where I am. Can't tell you how many times I've, I've had friends of mine saying they saw flyers just popping up in the shopping centers five minutes from my house. Anyway, before we get into the weeds, thank you, Brock. Please pimp out more of your social media accounts because I don't know how much well, well you did that before we completely lost track of everything.
1: <laughs> I, I'll start. I'll, I'll pimp myself out more. You
0: should have been, well, you need to. It's important that you do that. It's not just because you should do it, it's, it's a public service.
1: Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that.
0: I mean I, I have the I, I mean I have the right to say that because there aren't many LGBT people in hockey. <laughs> Not nearly enough. And so if the world is if our world is already small and then our specific world is smaller, we have to find a way to branch it out more. You know, we can't be pleased like my sport about this kind of thing. Some hockey fans could do that. But Fair enough. So your Twitter handle is
1: well, my Twitter is uh, Brock underscore McGillis, at Brock underscore McGillis, and my Instagram is BrockMcGillis33.
0: Mhm. Please go follow him already if you do not, and if you don't, I'm going to find out because I can check these things and then castigate you for it.
1: Yeah, make them bagscape.
0: Uh, I will, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, do you, do you think that one day we'll ever get to the point where if coaches hear homophobic slurs on the ice, then everyone's bag skating? No. I would love it though. If I was coaching a hockey team and I did, and I heard that I would make them all bag skate. Fair. I mean, wouldn't Bear. you? Don't you um, kind of wish, don't you kind of wish like you had the ability to say, like when you're with trainers, if you ever heard that, I'm like, well, well now I'm going to punish you.
1: Yeah. I, I'd be more pleased if they just sent them home.
0: I I kind of would do that too, but I like the idea of suffering.
1: Well, I had one coach tell me his player played in the OHL and he was coaching in the OHL, and a player on his own team got suspended for calling the coach's son, who was on a different team, a fag.
0: That's good. It's a start.
1: Yeah, but I mean, the fact that he would say that to his own coach's son...
0: Well, that gives you an idea, right? (laughs) <laughs> well, it gives you an idea. Well, also, as I say this because it's football season and I am a, and I'm, I'm a huge fan of a, a certain football team from Northeast Florida and uh, Jalen Ramsey made the comment about I could learn how to play in the NHL within six months or something like that and the hockey world went bananas. I, I went, oh, thank you, Jalen, for doing this. I sided with Jalen Ramsey instantly. Mainly it's because nobody on the Panthers said anything and thank God they didn't because then I would have been emotionally conflicted. But also... Oh, that's that's hockey culture for you. Really defensive of the sport. And Jalen Ramsey, who is a hero and one of my favorite players in any sports league, went out and said that. If you haven't read that, it comes from Mina Kimes' profile of Jalen Ramsey. And then Emily Kaplan went and asked hockey players about it. And the reaction was expected. And then Mina Kimes immediately goes and tweets back to Emily Kaplan. Uh-oh, hockey Twitter's coming. <laughs> and it was <laughs> hilarious. And I, and I just watched it all burn. And I'm like, you know what? Jalen Ramsey wanted this to happen and he wins. (laughs) See, we don't have Jalen Ramsey's in hockey. We need Jalen Ramsey's in hockey. Jalen Ramsey's in hockey get railroaded. Jalen Ramsey's in football are heroes.
1: It'd be cool to see um, him try.
0: Oh, I'd love to see him try. I would totally be 100% up to see him do it. He might not be able to do it, but it doesn't really matter because the point is not that he could or couldn't do it. The point is that he said it and he got people angry. That's what he does. You know, we don't have play. like like the best chirpers in hockey. You never hear it ever happen because it's always on the ice. Like Sean Avery was really mm-hmm. the only one who ever talked about it off the ice, and I mean he made all color jokes and some of those jokes were was really good taste, and taste. But
1: some some of what he was vilified for was right,
0: some also. Oh,
1: but he was
0: oh, of course. Some of the things he said were ridiculous. But you know what? No one else in hockey said such things. I'm not condoning what he said. But at least – I mean, if he got half the chirps right, at least he was actually public and saying, I'm good at this. Come at me. (laughs) You know, we we, we need players like that in hockey. Like I'm saying, like, that's what I I meant with the Jalen Ramsey story. But, again, don't want to talk too much about that because I've already kept Brock for an hour – 10 minutes now. Almost two hours. Actually, 110 minutes. Jesus Christ, I said that wrong. 110 minutes. Forgive me. But we we could talk about this all the time. If you ever have a chance to watch some of his stuff or go to one of the things he's doing – please do that and he's working with some teams he's going to work with as he said with bob mckenzie there's a lot of cool stuff that he's doing that's very important and if we can change it and if i can help of course brock you know you know where to find me i'll help out in any way i possibly can although i can only do so much from where i am
1: well <laughs> but, i'm gonna take you up on that when i branch out into the states
0: yeah i'll do my best hopefully by that point i have a job and i'm broadcasting somewhere this industry kind of sucks but you know, I mean, I've done games and I covered a U.S. men's national team game and the stuff's in my Twitter profile now. It's, I pinned it and I didn't hear a word otherwise. The only thing I heard is, Matt, you talk too much. And I went, yeah, I do. What, I can't talk with people about the sport I'm covering? Stupid press nonsense. Anyway, <laughs> that is what it is. And I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. I hope you, if you have to go back and listen to it more than once, please do to catch all that what we've said. Like, for us, this comes naturally, but for others, it might not. But if we're exposing people to something that they didn't know and they've learned about, it's going to help make this sport a better place. And for all of its problems, we love it. There's so much about this sport that's awesome. The, the athleticism, the skill, the fun, there's nothing like it. But we just need to make this sport less insular and a little bit better and more open-minded to people, right? We've got to get out of the please-like-my-sport mentality as fans, and we've got to get out of this insular... Uh, mentality uh, with, with the players and whether it comes from doing it slowly or in my view, breaking the door down with a battering ram and making people really annoyed along the way change comes right. We've got to get it in our own way. And if we're two people that can help out, we hope that we can do something. So I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. When we return to it, we will be more talking about the Panthers and fourth line nonsense, which is normally what we do. But hopefully this was a needed change for this show. And hopefully it was a needed listen for all of you as well. So I hope you enjoyed it. And please follow Brock's stuff and listen to what he does. It's very important. And if I say anything, you can imagine that I know what I'm talking about too. And I do come off as a know-it-all. But that's okay. With this, you can understand why. But please, make note of this as the season goes on. Because there will be times when this comes up. And hopefully you will now know a little bit more. And that'll make your life as a fan and an observer of the sport better. And you don't know whose life you've just made easier in the sport. And that's important. So please take some. If you've learned anything, language matters and learning matters and ask questions. If you don't know, ask us. We'll help you. We're not going to re- reasonably say no. We're going to ask. We want you to ask questions. It's important for all of us to be able to have that ability to talk to people. So do that. Enjoy the show. Listen to it as many times as you need to to get the gist of it. Because Brock's good at at public speaking. That's his job now. It's kind of my job, too. Anyway, thank you. Hope you've enjoyed this show. And I hope, Brock, there are many more of these to come.